What's up folks? Welcome back to Tubit One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, and a complicated man, Dan Masters, with my co-host, the East Anglian Elliot Friedman, and the hockey's answer to Louis Theroux. Will Everett, Will, how you doing? I, I wish I was the hockey hockey's answer to Louis Theroux. <laughs> I'm like, if I if I am the hockey you know I keep saying the hockey, I think we need to start calling it the hockey. If I <laughs> the am hockey. the hockey's answer to Louis Theroux, then who's the hockey's answer to a young man like Jim? No idea. I hope that that's never revealed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Jesus Christ. Well, there you go. I'm glad I ruined the show already. Yeah, it's a good start. What are we, 25 seconds in, it's already very uncomfortable, and I'm already a bit sweaty. That's how I start most shows. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. You sent me a, you sent me an interesting WhatsApp message this week regarding how good was it for the Lightning this year in regards to the draft, seeing as the Dallas Stars played 10 more playoff games than them and are picking 18th in the draft, while the Lightning are picking 27th. Which led me to wondering, and we've, we've asked this question before, but in a different kind of way regarding the President's Trophy. So I want to kind of put it to you in this way. is: Do you think the President's Trophy puts more pressure on teams? Uh, I mean, it has the, the ability to do so, but then that's on a team-by-team, player-by-player basis, isn't it? Yeah, whether... I think for a lot of people there is such a thing as weight of expectation but then yeah that depends whether you know Steven Stamkos is one to, to feel the pressure I think for Tampa and we're retreading our ground a bit here but Tampa this year especially I'm looking at a record play 62-16-4 how can you come out of that and not feel right we've got to do something in the playoffs I agree I agree that this season's one of those where if there's, if there's a trophy or not, you're going to look at that le- you're going to look at that record and think, "Holy cow, this team is absolutely ridiculous. They're just going to steamroll past everybody." But then, do you think if a team, say, a team win the President's Trophy by a point, two points or something, you've always then got that thing of, "Well, they won the President's Trophy, so they were the best team." Even though because the Lightning was so good this year, it's it's way and above they were the best team. But normally the difference between the best team and a team that just misses on the playoffs isn't even that big, really. It's such a, as we always say, such a, it's such a parity league that the differences are kind of negligible sometimes. But then for it, do you think if a team was one point the best team or by two points, then the added pressure of the President's Trophy then? Is that a thing, do you think, or not? No, I think I think that is just the the expected pressure of oh we're a good team in the league. You know, a pressure that you know the Boston's are going to be feeling, the Toronto's are going to be feeling, the San Jose's are going to be feeling. Yeah, I think if you run away with it, then there's going to be that element of added pressure. But yeah, if you win it by one, two, even four points, I think it's just the same as you you feel if you won your division or came top five in the league, sort of thing. Really, I disagree. I disagree only because. As we talked about when we talked about the Teflon Don, God, what seems like about five years ago now, but it was only a few months back. It's a society now where such headline, like a fast food type news sort of devourer as we are, is that the easy headline is, yeah, but this team won the President's Trophy and they got bounced in the first round. That's ridiculous. Even if they've only won it by a point or two points, I think adding a tag of a trophy onto a team does put a little bit extra on them. I'll tell you what it can do. It might not put pressure on in the moment, but when we're all, you know, performing the autopsy on the year, if you've got that President's Trophy on the tag and then you go out in the first round, you are, you know, X amount percent more likely to be branded playoff chokers. 
Yeah, that's true. Especially because he won the President's Trophy, he'd be playing the eighth seed as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, nobody remembers who came second, for better or for worse, sort of thing. That's true. Yeah, if you if you're this yes, if, if in the same playoff round the second the second seed goes out, no one's really going to talk about that as much, are they? No one really cares. And you yeah, might have only lost. Years. Yeah, you might have only lost. Like we say, you might have only been the second best team by a point or two points. But the headline isn't President's Trophy. The headline is just second place team loses. It's not a big deal, is it really? Yeah, and and in you know five years from now, nobody's going to remember. Like everyone will remember that. Um, or yeah, at least the history books will have recorded that President's Trophy winners Tampa Bay Lightning got swept in the first round. But, you know, are we going to remember that the Islanders got swept? Are we going to remember that... Oh no, no. <laughs> Sorry, Pittsburgh got swept. Yeah, and then yeah, the yeah. Islanders got swept. I'm getting my sweeps all muddled up here, Dan. Yeah, you know what I mean? And say, like you say, for example, if the Bruins had gotten swept in the first round, 10 years from now, we're not going to remember it. No, that's true. But there is that President's Trophy thing, isn't there? It's just... It, it just seems to be a weight around team's neck rather than something else. It's very odd. Again, I, I do think that's subjective, but almost the percentages are almost weighted in that favour anyway. You know, President's Trophy winner or not, you're still one of 16 teams that are gunning for the um, for the cup and you're likely to not win it. Therefore, True. more often than not, if you win the tr- President's Trophy, you're it's gonna going to be... A hindrance, or at least perceived as one. Okay, good point. Should we, uh, should we start the show? Yeah, I like it. that time of the week. It's the smooth recap. Apparently in Boston, you're taught that defenders defend and goal scorers score the goals, as Matt Grizzlick is the first Bruins D-man with a multi-goal playoff game since the day on Chara in 2011. The yet-to-be-minted Seattle team has already stoked flames for a rival in Vancouver. A poll on the team website asked fans about potential naming conventions, with anything that eats Canucks being an option. Celtic have won their 8th league in a row. Rangers fans, lick my balls. Capo Caco was reportedly hoping to be drafted by the Colorado Avalanche, hoping to join his friend Mika Rantanen. Unfortunately, the team phenom will have to pretend that either Mika the Sabanajad or Nico Hisha is Finnish instead. Like messaging someone you fancy out of the blue, you should always shoot your shot. Evident this week in the NHL Bracket Challenge, as only 0.0019% of brackets are still correct. I actually can't believe it's that many. The Sharks have a firm grasp on lazy takes for the Con Smythe winner, with the leading players in points, goals and assists all wearing teal. Back in Boston again, and the Bruins are attempted to kill teams with death by a thousand cuts, as so far they've tallied 19 different goalscorers this postseason. In witchcraft news, the Charlotte Checkers are hoping to exploit the Champagne Pappy curse after inviting Drake to each and every one of their series games against the Toronto Marlies. 
After Jeremy Roenick drew the short straw last series, it was Kyle Bukaskis who got to interview Hamilton the pig this time. Luckily, he already had experience interviewing smell animals after he interviewed a rat in the last round. Layla Anderson is a 10-year-old blues fan who suffers from HLH, a life-threatening condition causing hyperinflammation. She's been unable to leave either her house or the hospital until tonight, this Wednesday, when she's been granted permission to attend Game 3 of the Blue Shark series. Go and sing your fucking heart out, Layla. Go get it, Layla. And that was your smooth recap. Don't mention that story to me, because we've done this before. I can't deal with these stories. I just I just crumble. It's all... um. All a way to sort of scuppy your delivery of any jokes you might have over the next five minutes, so I seem funnier. <laughs> so true. Oh god, those stories are just the worst because I just, oh god, they just get me so much. They just get me so much. It was so good. It was such a nice thing. Oh god, it's fantastic, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of of the reason she was effectively quarantined, but. That's that's cool. That's cool. I, hope, I really hope she enjoys herself. Go and have a great time, girl. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Okie dokie. Who's winning the cup? Whoever is responsible for the Hurricanes cap. <laughs> a couple of, couple of stats for you there, boy. Oh, God. Go on then, Mr. Statman. So Hurricanes finished the year a total cap hit of 63.2 million. Yes, they did. Which is, yes, they did. Out of a total of 79.5 million available. Which, weirdly, is 79.5% of the cap. Oh. Which is very weird and almost looks like I've done my maths wrong. But I promise you I haven't. And that's crazy. That's crazy. And according to, according to Marek on the 31 Thoughts podcast, that is the lowest total of any conference final team since the cap was introduced. Under 80% of the cap for a conference final team. That's just a, a mick take. I was going to mention this at some point, and then I, I couldn't find the tweet where it was mentioned because I had the percentages of other teams of the past, I want to say something like eight, nine years or something, and they were all at like 98.7 or 99.1 or something, and then Carolina was just like, say, 79.5. It's just loopy. It's like they're effectively playing with five D-men and nine forwards. You know the cap doesn't measure, don't you? No. Grit. It doesn't it measure? Grit. Oh, that's it. You can't. <laughs> So, some things are priceless, Dan. There's no, there's no AAV for grit, Will. There's no AAV for grit. If, if there was, nobody yeah. would be able to afford a single one of those Hurricanes players. It's so true. That's true. You don't get, you don't get an AAV for heart or balls either. So, uh, there's oh, a lot of analytics out there we're yet to crack. <laughs> yeah. Well, forming the help from a higher power this week... Winning the cup for me is the Vegas Golden Knights, as <laughs> the Pope was presented with a Vegas jersey. Apparently, it's only a figurehead role, and George McPhee is still in control, but he has got a jersey nonetheless. <laughs> George McPhee is still the voice of God. Yes. Got Kelly McCrimmon now as GM. Pope's doing something in the front office. I'm not sure what yet. I, th- I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move, because after... The game against the Sharks. I think Vegas needs to find a penalty kill that's as successful as the Vatican is covering up child rape cases. So, ah, you bastard. <laughs> Were you going to go with that then? Uh, that's what I was teeing up. I was teeing up. <laughs> so yeah, yeah well, fine. that's a that's a low hanging fruit joke. It's kind of too easy to wrote itself, unfortunately. That's that's fine. It's a good thing that the Catholic Church is not interested in low hanging fruit. 
Yes, uh, very true. Yeah, they're not interested at all, are they? Wink. Although the game. the problem is now is that rumours is that Melnick's trying to get uh, Mohammed in a Sens jersey. So <laughs> no, you'd have to get you'd have to get. I'd, I'd have thought Mohammed would be more expensive than the Pope. Oh, Plus, good that's point. A bit of a weird comparison there because Mohammed's more of a Jesus type. True. And the Pope is very much a. a per- did, did, did you know that currently Islam doesn't have? equivalent of the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, I mean, breaking news here, Will, is that I don't know shit about religion. So I just picked yeah. the first name I could think of. Oh, Buddha. Oh, I, I, I've just thought of another oh, one. Oh, there you go. Buddha, Buddha's <laughs> a guy. Yeah, we'll get, we we'll get Buddha in a, in a sense jersey. <laughs> get him interviewed by Bariaki. Bariaki <laughs> <laughs> oh, of the Buddha. Oh, oh my no, God. No, it'd have to be the Buddha and, and Melnick. Is Melnick the Buddha? Is that, what, is that what you're trying to get at? I don't even know what I'm trying to get at now. My point's completely this lost getting, in that joke somewhere, but Jesus Christ. This is getting getting a bit off track. Just to drag it back, and even further back to a point before, is the Hurricanes getting to the conference final, spending less than four-fifths of the cap, just enabling Eugene Melnick to be a cheapskate <laughs> for the rest of his life? It's enabling all GMs to be cheapskates because now they're just going to look at that model and go, well, the Hurricanes did it, so why, why can't we do it? All we need to do is hire a former player who had grit and a fantastic physique and we'll be fine. But the problem with that is most GMs aren't sort of smart enough to be cheapskates. The only teams that are particularly cheapskates are cheap by necessity. Yeah, uh, good point. You know, the, the Coyotes and the Senators. And I think the Ducks have like an internal cap as well. Yeah, they do. I don't know. Um, I don't know that's how what that's set at. I, do, I yeah. I think that's only going to be Eugene rubbing his rubbing his hands together at that news. Yeah, definitely. I do want to mention before we get on to who's getting relegated. Our stupidity will after last week when we questioned the Sens being at three hundred to one to win the cup, and we said, I mean, Christ, has a team ever been this far out to win the cup? Well, I don't know if you've heard of the Vegas Golden Knights, will. But in their inaugural season, they were 500-1 to to win the Cup. And, I mean, on paper, did the Golden Knights have a better team than the Sens to start the season? I mean, yeah, completely. I think they probably did. Yeah, exactly. Probably definitely did. Because there were stipulations for the Golden Knights for how many games their players could have played in the last two years. (laughs) The Sens are going to be like 30% ECHL players. Okay, then. Who's getting relegated? I've got low hanging fruit as well. I'm going to relegate the offside review because it's it's over, mate. It's <sighs> over. Come on, let's let's stop messing around with pixels and bloody shit shot on a fucking Motorola Razor from forty paces. Like, yeah, we'll talk about then, this. And late. then the nonsense of the past week. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about this later. But if essentially, if you haven't got HD technology on every single camera on the blue line in every single arena. Just, just forget it. Unless it's completely clear and obvious. Just, just in the first five seconds, just forget it because it's getting ridiculous. And to be honest, if we look at the last few seasons as almost like a case study, we've kind of proven that by and large the linesmen actually call offside. Surprise, yeah. surprise. That that Matty Shane play, which sparked it all off, is a once in a blue moon sort of thing. Yeah, completely, completely. And you know, it's. Uh, is the sacrifice that we're making with all of these goals we're taking off the board and all this nonsense worth, you know, just being able to say, ha-ha, Matt Duchesne isn't... Go-. And to be honest, that's not going to happen ever again anymore because they're being so much tighter with, um, with offside. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about that later. I'm relegating maybe my first ever tentative relegation, but 
with the news of Ryan Kessler this week being injured, maybe keeping him out the entire season. Still no head coach announced. Maybe waiting for Dallas Eakins to... Oh, go on. Is this, is this 2018? <laughs> I thought Ryan Kessler wasn't playing last year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So I'm going to relegate then Heim Ducks. I think they may struggle next season. They just... That aging roster. And it's it's all very well and good people saying, well, Dallas Eakins is doing a great job and he's the kind of guy who can bring up some of the players in the AHL and all that kind of thing. Well, that's fine, but you've got a fair couple of players there making a fair chunk of money who aren't very good anymore and, and injury prone and are going to get injured more this season as they get older and older and older. So it's a tentative one. I'm not going to throw them off the power completely, but I've got a funny feeling. It, it feels a bit with the incredibly bad season that Kessler had last year, people are sort of forgetting that Corey Perry still makes eight million. Yeah. And they getting worse. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's yeah. gonna be big bald Ryan Kessler dragging around a bunch of corpses and then Ricard Raquel. How many starters and scratches you got? Uh, I've got two of each. Okay, I got three starters and one scratch. So I'll go first oh, on the nice. starters. Hit me. I'll start off with my two non-hockey ones first. Did you see Mike Dean, the Premier League referee at the Forest Green Tranmere game? Funnily enough, no, I didn't. No, so Tranmere won the game and it was at Forest Green Rovers. There was a slight pitch invasion and then spotted in the crowd, stood on, you know, terraces, they have the barriers that you can kind of lean over or hang on to. It's like a, yeah, a kind yeah, of... St- yeah, like yeah. He was stood sort of poles. Yeah, he was stood on that, pumping his fist and screaming. The actual Mike Dean, not even a lookalike. The- Dean Mike. I was thinking for a second, like, oh, we're trying to be on Forest Green in League Two and Mike Dean's ref in League Two now. Yeah, no, he was there as a fan supporting his team, which is (laughs) Trammy. Mike Mike Dean is now officially a hooligan. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, he looked like it. There's gifts everywhere. He looks like an absolute hooligan. (laughs) It's great. He's gone from from keeping the peace to uh, to Northern... uh, Inciting riots. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a bloody Vice documentary of Mike Dean by the end of the year. Oh, yeah, there will be. Fabulous. Jamali Maddox, like, interviewing Mike Dean, who's wearing a balaclava and uh, under, a, under a voice manipulator. <laughs> oh, dear, that's amazing. Yeah, it's that voice, isn't it? Like, when I was back in refereeing days, it turned out that I actually had more feelings for Trambert than I could let on. <laughs> he, like, takes his shirt off and he's got a massive Trambert front piece. <laughs> Okay, who are you starting? Uh, I've got both my starters. A little spoiler here, Dan. Okay. Uh, are actually players, genuine NHL hockey players. Wow. Um, no, no jokes this week. I'm, I've retired from the joke business. My first starter is going to be Timo Meyer because that goal that he scored was absolutely horrendous. Where he just pinches the puck on a blue line, dances between one player, and then suddenly he's at the net and just roofs it. It's like, all right then. Absolute glorious bit of work. What well on Timo? Yeah, he's emerged as he's now emerged as one of those the new best kept secret when everyone in San Jose was for ages saying how good he was and now people I kind of I guess like we were talking about Logan Couture the other week. Is that now people are realising, oh okay, yeah, this guy's actually pretty good. I think he's one of those ones where uh, he he was quite a talented prospect. I think he went eighth or ninth to the Sharks in, in twenty fifteen and then he didn't burst out of the net he had, he had you know, a relatively standard progression for a, for a top prospect you know sort of 30 odd points in his first season etc so he went under the radar from there sort of thing and people almost thought oh well he's not tearing it up he's not lying he's not Matthews there's no we haven't got time for him 
and now he's really what a player, what a player, really doing his doing his thing. There's interesting. There's an interesting discussion there at some point, maybe actually in the off season in regards to players who go in the top ten, twenty, just taking a bit longer to develop, but in the end, they're still great NHL players. It's like the, it's like the guys who go top five are kind of guaranteed out of the gate. This guy's ready right now, but you'll find that guys who go sort of 10, 20, maybe 25 around there. Just take a bit more seasoning, but once they're there, they're, they're still great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You think you think David Pasternak went 18, was it? 18, 20-ish? Something like that. Something like that. Brock Besser was like drafted 24th or something silly like that. Even even um, that low, but Mika Rantanen, who's a very venerable superstar now, he was yeah. drafted sort of 9th overall or whatever. As, yeah, you can get incredible players at, at any stage of the draft. My starter, my next starter, is College Hurdles from America. The 400 metres, I don't know if you saw this this week or not, a young hurdler with, I swear to God this is his name, Infinite Tucker. Infinite Tucker. Infinite Tucker. When lots of Tucker isn't enough, you need Infinite Tucker. Fabulous. He, yeah, as as him and his opponent, well, there's a, a guy next to him in the next lane and they're the, they're the front one and two. And as they reach the finish line, he starts to stumble and did something that I've always thought about. Is that possible? Is that legal? He Superman dove across the finish line, full out, fully horizontal, straight out, and won because of it. Because his ch- they measure no, the finish line not. on your chest. And his chest crossed the line first, and he won. So what was it? Infinite? Infinite Tucker. Come on. Right. Oh, my God. I've got to see this. I've You're finding it. This. I'm on it. I'm look. I'm. Is he wearing a headband? Yes. Look at him go. That's a strong headband right there. He's not even that far ahead. Oh, cheeky. That is thoroughly cheeky. I like that it. Great stuff. That's a good Superman as well. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? Actually, wow. No, that's before either. Mid mid starter scratches starter. I'm going to start sports people in headbands. For some reason, I always think they seem to look cooler and play better. I don't know why. Um. There's something about it. This just yeah, seems to know. work for me. <laughs> are, you, are you telling me you've got a fetish for headbands is that what this is <laughs> no I just whenever I see a sportsman in a headband I think yeah you look really good they might, might not even be any good I just there's just something about a headband I think yeah it looks alright mate that's so that's so cheap as well it's really clever but he does just like he essentially teleports his his bit so what, what if he'd what if he'd flopped yeah and he hadn't crossed the line, like his fingers had crossed the line. But he, no, it's, it doesn't matter. Line, but... It's measured on the chest. The chest is the area that's measured for the start-finish line. Oh, okay, so... so That's yeah, when they so... stop the timer. Yeah, when your chest if it, crosses the line. If his hands had crossed, then he wouldn't have finished. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's why, they always, that's why people always duck when they're crossing the line, because it gets their chest forward. That's, that's what's measured. Yeah. Infinite Tucker, oh, nice. what a guy. Okay, okay. My, uh, my other starter, in, in the theme of low-hanging fruit, I'm going to start Capo Caco. Oh yeah. I don't know which highlight I want to particularly pick. Um, <laughs> There's only about 17 yeah. to choose from over the past like the first four games. That's the thing. It's not enough of a sample size, really. Yeah. Uh, the, I want to say the kid's legit. Dude, he's fucking ridiculous. We'll we'll talk about Mr. Kako as well later. But holy Christ! What a what a guy! We're more religious imagery today. We're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> On the back of that. My final starter is going to be the New Jersey Devils and New York Rangers Twitter feeds for being smart enough in cheering on Jack Hughes and Capo Caco. 
I think it's a very, very clever idea. Just hedge your bets. That's a sensible thing to do. Yeah, just hedge your bets. Either of them are going to be awesome, can't lose. Make sure they're both like you, so whichever one you end up with is good for you. And you say you have one scratch, or you have two scratches, don't you? Uh, I've got a pair of scratches, yeah. Okay, off you go. You go first, then. So my first scratch is going to be Jack Hughes. Because... <laughs> oh, I like that. That that play, I'm sure, I'm sure plenty of people have seen it. Kako's down, sort of near the corner, along the boards, protecting the protecting the park, and Jack Hughes comes in and tries to take it from him. Uh, ends up on his uh, posterior, where Kako just just absolutely dummies him from behind. Right, well, from Kako's behind with his behind. Either way, it's over, Jack. Thanks for trying. It's it's been nice to see your progression so far, but you will not be invited to the NHL anymore as. Uh, your soul got reverse checked out of your body. Sorry about that. I think, unfortunately, as we've already mentioned, is that Jack Hughes still has to grow into being a man. Yet, if Capo Capo keeps growing, he'll be more than a man. <laughs> that was evident on that play, I think. He's going to be a double man by the time he gets 19. <laughs> That's going to be very scary. He's going to be a superhero called Man Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to scratch my own emotions as... Normally, I, <laughs> this is no. This is hockey, shut up. No, this is hockey related. Normally, I laugh at people and do the eye rollingest of eye rolls when they enjoy any kind of participation trophy. But I'm very happy that the GB team are just out of the worlds playing. It's very surreal for me to be able to watch them playing America and a very good German team and a good Denmark team. Okay, we're getting murdered. That's fine. And I do feel a bit dirty because I'm happy that we're just there. And it's turning me into Millennial Snowflake. I mean, does that make you a... a, a sh- firstly, you're probably still technically a Millennial. Nah, Secondly, I'm gen- dude, I'm Gen X. Don't fucking put me with them Millennials. Yeah, dude, totally. Oh, Jesus Christ. Only by like a year, though, surely. It's close, but I am. You're you are technically a Gen Xer. Yeah. Still, um, it, it doesn't make you a snowflake to just be happy that you're there. That we're there. No, I think it does a little bit. It's momentous. It's about, I think there's an issue with sports entitlement in the UK. Oh, absolutely. It's not, as much as it is football, it's not just football. Like, it's it's a rugby, it's a cricket, it's basically, it's the Olympics, it's basically any sport. We don't understand what it's like to be the minnow, the underdog, you know, the the sort of Lithuania Lithuania making the World Cup or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Which is effectively what GB is. So we don't really know how to appreciate that because we're used to just shitting on our national sports teams for not winning. That's a very good point. Yeah, we're essentially Honduras in the last World Cup who were just happy yeah, to score 100%. their first ever World Cup goal. Whereas I'll, t- I'll take getting beat 6-3 by America. That's not that bad. I'm happy with that. One all after one. Can't ask for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We drew 20 minutes against America. What a result. Bloody result, mate. Absolute yeah. result. Your final scratch? My uh, my last scratch is going to be gainful employment because it's getting in the way of my enjoyment of the world with all these afternoon games. <laughs> it's a shame you can't... Oh, yeah, there's no way you can do it, is there? It's just annoying. I had to take my daughter swimming tonight, which meant I just there was no point in me even starting watching the GB America game because I would have seen like the first two minutes and maybe that last five minutes. I just thought there was no point. Just forget it. So it's a it's a damn shame, especially where they're they're on free sports rather than YouTube. So it's not even like I can just have it on and listen to the yeah. country or anything. What a shame, what a shame. But it's payday Friday, so it won't be too bad. Exactly. Yeah, then you can book your plane ticket over 
to the worlds and go and watch some games live, yeah? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> we'll go see Darren Drager at his cafe. <laughs> so, what, what? Is he at a cafe? Is that... Sorry, it's gone straight over my head. Oh, okay, yeah. He, do, he does this thing. He goes to the worlds every year, and then he does this thing called Drager's Cafe where... He sort of pulls up outside a cafe in like the local area, and then he'll interview players. And so he had the Huge Brothers on. Uh, oh, nice! Monday, Sunday, I can't remember. But yeah, it, he kind of he, yeah he does it before. He's done it before. All right then, news. Let's start with the playoffs, shall we? Seeing as they're rocking and rolling. Well, one is rocking and rolling. The other one, all but appears to be over, barring some it, kind it of miracle. It has rocked and it has rolled. It's rocked and it's rolled. Do you want to start in the east or the west? Should we start in the east? So Boston goes three 0 up. How many of these? How many of these games have you been seeing? Not just uh, the East, but any any of them. None. A big fat none. I've had a really bad week for hockey, so um, I'm going to make up every single take that I have about these games. <laughs> <laughs> I've been keeping on with the scores and stuff. But I've yeah, my my hockey time has been devoted to the Worlds, and even that has not been enough. Yeah. Well, let's. I want to get into something first before we get onto the actual game itself. Chip Alexander, who covers the Hurricanes locally, oh, called into a Boston sake. radio show, hosted by a guy called what well, looks like Fred the Toucher. I'm going to go with that because you know, like my <laughs> Julian and the, yeah, my, my, like my Julian and the Breezy Boys. Then I'm going to go with Fred the Toucher, and Mister the Toucher hung upon Chip because he couldn't stand his southern accent. Every word that he said, he oh, just God. didn't like it. And just have you have you listened to it? No, because it would just it would just make me irate, and I try and avoid these it's, things. It's ridiculous. So so chips on on their radio show, come podcast, come whatever it is, and he's making perfectly salient points. Touchy Fred is asking him some pretty <laughs> generic questions, so he's giving him, <laughs> you know, like, oh, what's what's changed this year under under Rob Brindamore, and this is a question that that led to to Chip being hung up on. So he's asked, oh, what's changed this year? And he starts just by saying, oh, they're finally getting some goals, which is 100%. Like, that's yeah. completely accurate. That has been the problem. And so he's just going on about how finally scoring we're in years past they haven't. And before he gets the chance to even elaborate on the more nuanced things that are uh, that are different about the Canes this year, they just just hung up on. And, and this Fred guy's like, yeah, I couldn't stand his voice. To, to be fair to Fred's co-hosts, they're mortified. They're like, what What the hell have you done? But then it quickly turns into, ah, what are you like, Fred? Oh, bloody hell. So, um, yeah, fuck a lot of them. I'm going to say it. I'm going to drop this word, but what a really cunty thing to do. Oh, 100%. Amazingly 100%. as well, amazingly as well, a guy from Boston complaining the, the way somebody talks is, oh, guys, I'm a Bruins fan for fuck's sake, but, you know, a strong Boston accent is kind of a funny accent. Like... A strong Southern accent can be kind of funny sometimes. Or a strong, in England, a strong Scouse accent or a strong Cockney accent. I was going to say, there are plenty of accents over here that are... Um, yeah, that are terrible. ...that are more offensive than <laughs> a thick Southern accent. Yeah, not to offend anybody from Wolverhampton, but, you know, <laughs> you, know how you, you know how you sound. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> I'm only joking, for God's sake. There's a guy, there's a guy who plays, uh, I play roller with. He's from, from the black country. I think he's from... Somewhere around that way. His name's Joel. Big up Joel. Great guy, but Christ alive, his voice is offensive. So yeah, Fred the Toucher. Bit of a cunt. There you go. Maybe a bit more than... I'd say infinite, personally. Yes, yes. 
Boston, 3-0 up. Tukarask is Dominic Hasek reincarnate. Marty Brodeur reincarnate. Something along those lines, not, Will. Not I mean, you one for uh, for overreacting. Or no, anything. not at all. I mean, you, you know, you might think this is hyperbolic, but I, I, you know, I think I'm being completely on the line here, and you know, <laughs> I will say that because will... he's recently been given Czech citizenship. <laughs> I will say he was abs- He's been really good. He's been really, really good. Obviously not Dominic Kashek. Obviously not Marty Brodeur, but. He is the reason this series is 3-0, for sure. 20-shot first period for Carolina, including there was four penalty kills by the Bruin as well. A three, um, there was a long three-on-four and then a three-on-five. And he made he made a triple save at some point in the first, but it was, it was very, very good. He's just in a zone right now. He's just in a zone. I He's been we, absolutely amazing. We might as, well have, might as well have called the series after that second game because... It's over, isn't it? Yeah, that second game. As, as Justin Williams points out, they had to eat a shit sandwich in that second game. Justin, one of the things that um, we talked about yesterday was trying to get some traffic in front to allow yourself some opportunities on rest. Do you think they did a, a decent job of keeping you out of the zone there? I think just all in all, we just uh, we got to rediscover who we are. Um, you know, you spend uh, all this time off leading up and, and everyone writing articles about how great you are, and then... Um, you know, you come out and sometimes you gotta you gotta eat a poop sandwich. It doesn't taste good. And you have to chew on it for a little bit and we'll have to do it for a couple of days and um, get the taste of our mouth next game. For an Eastern Conference final, that was really bad. That was a really bad performance from the Hurricanes. For an Eastern you know, to get they just got steamrolled. It was absolutely ridiculous. And fair play to them, they came out, you know, Hurricanes just came out an absolute, absolute house of fire. Again, as we've, as we've talked about before, Pepper Costi was scared uh, Brindle Moore was going to kick the shit out of them after the, f- <laughs> the first intermission if they didn't, so. <laughs> first game, sort of dominated by soft penalties on Dougie Hamilton. I mean, they were, they, were only, they were only soft in the sense of if they were called, other penalties should have been called. If you're going to call those penalties on Dougie Hamilton, that's fine. But you've then got to call other ones just very very soft very soft and then the Bruins score I think it was three quick goals in the third period and take that one and then then because of that the Hurricanes just lost their heads in game in game two Hamilton again just absolutely plowed into Danton Heinen after he scored and that started a bit of a fight and then there was a thing with Justin Williams and Brad Marchand where it looked like Marchand had wrapped his stick around Justin Williams neck but then when he looked at it again on replay Williams had grabbed his stick and then sort of yanked it up. So then obviously Marshawn tried to get his stick back, and then obviously then it caused Williams to spin around, and that's how it looked. And then like Justin Williams, for some reason, is just, there's a scrum in the front of the uh, Hurricanes net, and David Backus is lying there, and Justin Williams gives him a few cheap shots to the head. So He's, he's thought, where, where have I seen this before? <laughs> yeah. And as much as, I've, as much as I've vilified Brad Marchand on this podcast for doing that, in the Columbus game, it's it kind of interesting that there's not the same vitriol on Twitter for Mr. Game 7. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? Do you see, uh, yeah, do you see, Marshan, do you see Marshan mocking Williams with the C on his chest? Like, putting the C up to his chest? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so after that, after the, after the stick thing where Marshan had got his stick, after Williams had grabbed Marshan's stick, Williams goes off. I can't remember what the penalty was for. Brad Marshan is looking at him and he's screaming at him something like "You're meant to be the captain." And Marshan's putting this, like making a C out of his fingers and putting it on his chest, saying "You're meant to be the captain. You're the captain." This, that's that's the level of Brad Marshan fuck about I can deal with. I like that. That's that's the good stuff. I, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, without a doubt. That's that's good old fashioned chirping. 
That's good. Get get into into Williams's kitchen. Make him feel bad. Make him all sorts of confused up in his noggin. Don't go punching people in the back of the head. No. And neither should you, Justin Williams. <laughs> especially as you're the captain. Yeah, especially as you're the captain. Now, be, being objective as I am with this series, and I'm not going to lie, I am over the moon. It's three 0 I said to Will, I said to Will before the show that if you'd have given me the bees are going to be three up in an Eastern Conference Finals, will you take it? Well, yeah, of course I would. But I'm going to be objective. I feel I have a responsibility to do that. I'm not sure how Carolina are going to turn this around. It's going to have to be the old school cliche of they've got a winner. They've just got to start, win the first period in the next game and just try and go from there. The power play is stuttering. They've been awesome at five on five in the postseason. That's faltering. Brindamore's then gone to McElhenney. Oh, which brings up which brings up a question. He didn't name his goalie. Do you think he should? Do you think he should? Do you think coaches should have to name goalies before games? Uh, you know, a good a good amount of time before. Um, nah, nah, I don't think so. If 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 a coach wants to get into his own head, overthink a, a decision such as you know, telling the opposite coach or telling the public who's going to be in net, and like you know things like uh, like oh you're starting, who you're going to put out to start your uh, take your opening face off like let a coach do that. If a coach, yeah, wants, I agree. If a coach wants to be that thick to try and outcoach himself. Yeah. Then, whatever, whatever. I don't, I don't see the benefit in it, but power to you. No, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a case of the Bruins took the ice in game three and went, "Holy shit, McLean is in there!" Quick, change all the plans. Go to Plan B. Go to Plan B. <laughs> oh my God, that's Curtis McLean. <laughs> We've got to shoot the puck at his legs. It's the net now. What are we going to do? Quick, everybody, yeah. change your stick curves. go to the plan b sticks quickly no i agree i agree i hate to say it i hate to say it because i'm well aware of the mush but this one's done right can you can you smell the sweet down i think it's gotta be it it, it, the canes reek of a team that have have run out of steam it's over it's over i don't yeah we talked about weight of expectation and stuff to start the show and just psychology heading into games i thought to get smash that hard in in game two and to be three nil down for the first time in this playoffs after having handed out a sweep yourself a pair of sweeps no not a pair of sweeps but they they've handed out a sweep at the very least yeah again getting all my sweeps confused there's been too many yeah i, I, I think it's over i think it's gotta be over i think in in regards to partially going back to what tuka rask has done i think after after that game two you you're at least looking for a reaction, which they absolutely got from the Hurricanes. Like I said, the Hurricanes came out an absolute house of fire. But to play as well as they, as, as they did in that first period and still not get a goal, you just start thinking, Christ, are we ever going to score? And then you maybe start yeah. trying to play shots more. Instead of just doing the basics and just keep going, you know, you, you're trying to be too cute or do something different and you just end up getting in your own head with it, don't you? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, you just start losing confidence. Start trying too hard, sort of thing. Think I think game four is gonna quite potentially be be a case of of the Hurricanes sort of getting a bit blind to to having to get out there and and work too hard. There is a slight concern I have if the Bruins complete a sweep, because as you know, this is the year of the story in in the cup. The Islanders sweep the Penguins, then the Hurricanes sweep the Islanders. Then if the Bruins sweep the Hurricanes, oh. does that mean in the final the Bruins are going to get swept by whoever they play? I 
said, yes. Without, See, without part, of me's, part of me is thinking now, we just have to get rid of that story. So maybe if Cassidy and the Bruins could just give Carolina the next one, just so that narrative's completely out the window, there's no way it can happen. You still have three games after that to close out the series. Maybe just give them the next one, just in case. Or do you want a, do you want a prediction, Dad? <laughs> oh, God. Whoever wins game four wins the series. <laughs> you, you going only like half yeah. a prediction, really. The Hurricanes win. That's a reverse sweep waiting to happen, isn't it? I'm still going to say no. But now you've yeah, put that thought in my head, I hate so. you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, as we dis- as we discussed, you you don't want you, you know you want your friends to do well, but not too well. Oh no, of course not. Yeah, of course, course not. not. But I do love Patrice Bergeron, so it would be quite nice to watch him win the cup. We'll quickly, we can quickly discuss this. I think it would be interesting again that a player like Zdeno Chara is not one of the hundred greatest greatest players ever. In the same way as Malkin, forgetting Chara. In my opinion, Patrice Bergeron is absolutely one of the hundred greatest players ever. He is so fucking good. Do you know who the most underrated player is in NHL? Patrice Bergeron. Because he's not even mentioned in people's top fives. And he should be. He is unbelievable at what he does. He, Without question. It's so hard because, being a Bruins fan, I don't want to get the fucking, you know, you're a one-eye. Of course you're going to say that. Blah, blah, blah. But he is absolutely unbelievable at just... Just simply breaking gut plays and, and just making it so hard for the other team to do anything. So in this series so far, Pasternak, Marshan, Bergeron have got one even strength assist between them. Like I said last week, they're clearly just shutting teams down completely. They're, not, they're, they're almost not too worried anymore about having to be that line. It, it just starts with Bergeron. He just leads that team so much. He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. So if you think Bergeron's automatic top five yeah who is your top five then McDavid you're asking me okay if you're saying to me (laughs) if you're saying to me you've got five if you're saying to me you've got five players if you're saying to me you've got five you can pick any five players and you can guarantee that one of them will join your team McDavid Crosby Bergeron see those are the three I always plump for oh wait (laughs) I'm not picking dry sidle. Ah, well, I let down. <laughs> Panarin. Oh, that ooh, all right then. I'm a huge fan of Panarin. I'm a huge fan. Like what? Oh no! Do you know what? Yeah, I was. Th- I was quickly th- in my mind. I was thinking Ovi, and then I thought, is there anyone else? No, nah, I still. I t- I t- I'll take Ovi. I still take Ovi. Point. Point being, like. Even if Bergeron isn't regularly sort of acknowledged as one of the top five or whatever limiter you want to put on it, players in the league, there are so many good players nowadays that that's not even that much of a cuss. You've just listed your top five. You haven't even mentioned Austin Matthews, Nate McKinnon, uh, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns. Like you didn't mention a single defenseman, which is fine, which is absolutely fine. There are so many great players that I think if you ask someone to the top five or a top ten, Burge, you know, Burge isn't necessarily going to be there and that's not to say he's not incredible in his own right. So, for example, you want an R about Ovi a little bit. And yeah, I'd have an R about having Ovi in my top five today. It doesn't mean that he's not one of the most incredible players to ever play the game. 
it's always going to be a snapshot in time. It's going to be that day, that moment, that you know, that point in the season in a player's career that you're deciding whether they're top five. It doesn't mean that they're not an incredible player or not. Oh no, I agree. I agree. I just, I just still think he's. I just still think Bergeron's underrated. I know that sounds insane. I know that sounds insane. But God, I watch as many Bruins games as I can. I don't do this for a job. I, you know, I have an actual job and a family, and I can't just stay up till three o'clock in the morning all season every other day watching hockey. I just, it's just not feasible or not possible. I've a but real just... job, Elliot Friedman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm just every time I see him, I'm just blown away by him. I always forget. I just forget every time how good he is, and then when I watch him live, I'm just just in awe at what he does. Like I said, just simply breaking up plays and his defensive work and. He just controls face-offs. It's just, oh, he's insane. He's absolutely insane. All right, then. Let's move on to the West. Will, here's my very loaded question. Why does the NHL want the San Jose Sharks to win the Stanley Cup so much? I think it's because Jumbo decided he was going to donate his beard to one of those charities that makes wigs for people who you know, suffer from, say, cancer and alopecia and stuff. And it's just uh, the ultimate marketing ploy. It's the ultimate feel-good story. That's why they. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they deserve a cup. I, th- I find it funny that they're so obviously waiting it towards the Sharks over the Blues because, I mean, they're both very good stories and you'd have thought it's a win-win situation for for the NHL and NBC by proxy, but clearly the Blues just aren't feel good enough. Do you know what it is? It's this, last year it was all about Ovi, so this year it's all about Jumbo. It's not about the team, it's about one player. It's about That's what that, I think yeah. it is. That's what it is. I mean, so, it's clearly about Timo Meyer, actually. Yeah, future Con Smythe winner. Christ. Future oh. handball champion. It's, uh, I mean, potentially. That said, his handball chops need need improving, if you ask me, because they weren't even that impressive. <laughs> That's true. So, after they get the call against Vegas on the, the major penalty, and then they get the call <sighs> on Landeskog's big toe being deemed interfering with play <laughs> last night unbelievably there's another ridiculous call by the officials and I think what we're saying is as well is that I think people are agreeing now that the officials need help rather than it's all their fault how dare they I mean they should have seen that they should have seen this play you know I, I don't understand how they've missed this hand pass but the other ones have sort of led to more of a question of should these plays be more reviewable what do you think of the whole situation, basically? Well, I'd, I've always been a bit of an advocate of off-ice officials. I think what what is the point nowadays? You know, we're going to we're we're so obsessed with video review and things like that, and yeah, you know, we're throwing it to the to the war room. Why don't you just not take the power away from the refs? If a ref's going to get something wrong, or if he wants to confer, have a, have a team of people who are watching the games already help with the decision making. I suppose by default that does take the power away from the refs if there's you know a team of four or five guys sitting in a room, guys or girls hopefully, but probably guys, sitting in a room in Toronto that have the overriding veto power. I don't know. if we. It, it depends on what the NHL wants. Does the NHL want the games to be called correctly or does it actually want the, the drama that comes from missed calls? I think there's, a, there's an argument for both sides. I think if you're going to do it right, video review is not the way to do it. It's to put people in a room watching and making the decisions. But as it stands, you know, if you if you take all the drama of these missed calls out, it's a bit more of a robotic game, isn't it, really? Yeah, there is that thing that, that it does add drama to. But then, 
But then who's to say that if the team on my goal gets scratched, uh, the Eric Carlson goal gets scratched off because they then realise it's a hand pass. It's, we're still in OT. There's still going to be some kind of drama because there just is. It's OT. Oh yeah, 100% without a doubt. And yeah, you get drama of, of great plays and incredible goals and, and great saves and all that. But I don't know. I think the human error in, in all sports does bring an added element of intrigue and excitement to it, doesn't it? I agree. But, you know... I mean, it's not, this, it's not good. This, no, I was going to say, the fact that this can't even be reviewed is something you have to look at as well. I was I thinking d- about the, the, the puck that hit the net in the, the Boston Blue Jacket series. And it hits the net, comes back down, and then it's not directly involved, but it is, because two passes later it's in the net. And then, as we've already mentioned, Gabe Landeskog's offsides by about 50 foot, not even looking at the play. Yeah, that's deemed no goal. And the same with this last night. You know, how is, how, is, how can that be a good goal? It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I think they're just gonna have to, there's going to have to be a change in the, the way it's done somehow. I, I keep saying this, but this postseason has, for sure to me, seemed like the one that's had just the, the strangest calls, the weirdest calls, bad officiating, noticing bad rules, essentially, that things can't be challenged or reviewed. And I think it has to change somehow. Now, do I want the NHL to be in charge of those changes? I mean, Christ, I'd rather they just handed it over to some kind of other company or something who could do something like this and they just have no control over it because <laughs> the thought of the NHL controlling this just terrifies me. But I don't know, the last time uh, the NHL took something that was a bit broken and handed it over to another company to fix it, we ended up with NHL.com, so I don't know if I trust anyone to sort it out. <laughs> Everyone just stay away from my socket completely. It's just terrible all over the place. Let's let's just all stop. Let's just stop it because nobody's any good at doing it. So let's just not do it at all. What did you think, think about the Landeskog? Uh, just because what you think about the Landeskog call? Withdrawal was the game seven hero in round number one, and now it's this one again. Another run, they score. The Avalanche have tied the game. Colin Wilson. San Jose is challenging the call to decide if there is offside prior to the goal. After coach's challenge, it's determined the play was offside. I can't believe that was within the last week as well. I know. Um, it's, it's a bit silly, really, isn't it? Like what you say about it being not. It's the the thing that's going around is the fact that it's two rules counteracting against each other yes like if you were applying a too many men rule he doesn't count as a player on the ice like he doesn't exist yeah yeah when it comes to offside he exists somehow it's just just moronic but i, I, I think where you say he's not involved in the play in the slightest like it should be a bit like football really where it's a smaller playing surface is a bit harder to apply the sort of you know is he isn't he involved in the play sort of thing but that one's very cut and dry. But I think there are plenty of other offsides where if a player's skating back to get onside and then just gets caught and then there's obviously no help or arguably has a harder time getting back into the play because he's had to skate further, that shouldn't really matter either. For the for the purposes of this Landeskog thing, oh, it's just moronic. It's, it's the perfect storm of offside reviews where... We're looking at fractions of millimetres of always oh, skate on the ice, is this skate off the ice. And the fact that, according to certain rules in the NHL rulebook, he doesn't exist. It's it's like saying a backup goalie's bloody offside. I know, and and then to 
like you mentioned earlier in the when we were talking about this after the smooth recap or start as a scratches whenever it was and you were saying that the pitch has been basically taken on a motorola phone from 40 foot away and it's just all pixels and the only two things i would say about that call on some of these calls is, is i think the only way you can sort it is it has to be something that blatantly affects the goal and the hand pass blatantly affected that goal. The Columbus shot, the, the puck that hits the net, that blatantly affects a goal. Landeskog doesn't affect that goal in any way. Him being there has no effect on that play. And, and the other thing, many other thing was, is I keep mentioning this, but why don't the NHL just employ three or four people at every arena to just sit watching the games? The, the, the refs and the lines, they have all our air pieces, and if there's any doubt in their minds they can just go straight to the people in the room and just say, what have you guys got? And there has what, to be some those? kind of... It has to be like a, like a definitive... You know, like the Landeskog one was zooming in, going, oh, well, is he? Isn't he? It should be, yes, he's clearly offside. There's no doubt about it. Well, the geezers who sit in the uh, penalty boxes trying to, trying to keep a straight face, what are they doing when nobody's in the box? Yeah, I don't know. Give Good a, point. Give them a na- naughty little iPad. Have a little look. There you go, son. But with the with the hand pass last night, it shouldn't come down to video review. The the ref's like four feet away, and yeah, granted, Myers on his knees, and like there's a net in between, so you could say his view was slightly obstructed. But I'm not being funny. If the ref can't see Meyer moving his arm and then deduce that he's made a hand pass, like Meyer might as well have grabbed the puck and thrown it in the goal because it would have counted. Yeah, it's like. I don't know, that's just awful. And I, I think with the officiating full stop this postseason, the thing that's been especially weird about it, the officiating hasn't been any noticeably worse than pre- previous years, just because it's been bad in the playoffs for a while. We've just had that that perfect storm again of weird things happening. It's it's not like it's gotten any, any demonstrably worse. We've just had strange situations happen that has exposed the bad officiating as it is. Yeah, you know, there's a difference between... Call you know calling a high stick that wasn't a high stick or not calling a high stick that blatantly was and you know having a guy who was offside but on the bench and and a guy giving a hand pass in the slot it's just so it's, it's almost like the the sort of tipping point really isn't it Yeah, I think I think this is the I think this will be the off season where the GMs get together and try and sort something out. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, what. you'd hope you'd hope be... so because yeah. Oh, in, in in the wake of San Jose's run to their first ever Stanley Cup, you're going to have at least three GMs who are going to be pounding their fi- fists on the table saying, we've got to change everything because my team lost. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move on to the series then. Sharks up 2-1. I think it's, good. it's definitely going to go back and forth. I think the Blues have to take the next game because I think if they don't, they're just going to get into that slump of the refs are against us, the league's against us getting in their own heads, deciding that it's not even their choice anymore if they win or not. It's down to the down to the league and the refs in some way because they want San Jose to win it for some reason. But they've definitely got some fighting spirit. They battled back in that game too. I thought I thought after Logan Couture scored his second goal, that was it. They were just going to collapse like a like a flan in a cupboard. But they didn't. They kind of, you know, fought back immediately and took the game 4-2. So they can definitely come back, but I can't call this one. I, I picked Blues in seven. I'm obviously going to stick with it, but... God knows which way this is going to go. Yeah, I think if ever there was a series to go to go in seven games, it's got to be this one. I think you make a good point about 
that that's a crushing way to lose. That really is an awful way to lose. But I'd, I'd, I think, <laughs> I don't really like using the A word, but this Blues team has seen enough adversity this year that you'd certainly hope that one bad goal call in OT, yeah, an exceptionally bad goal call, but one bad call nonetheless, yeah, it's not going to derail their season. It's not like they're they're facing an elimination game after this. They've still got they've still got five games left in sorry four games left in the series if we uh if we go the length. So yeah, I, I think we'll still see seven out of it. Quick mention about Logan Couture. He's on a personal mission to get himself on the West Coast team some recognition. He is absolutely on fire and an early candidate, shall we say, for the Consmouth Trophy. I was going to say it reminds me of when they went uh, went to the final against the Penguins in sixteen. Yeah. He was absolutely on, on a tear there. And I think if they'd have won it, he'd have been Consmith winner for sure. So it's the the guy's a bloody he's a he's a diamond in the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay then. Okay, so just quickly we'll quickly touch on this, we'll move on to our next kind of thing. Brendan Shanahan, the Shanna plan is in effect for six more years. He signs his extension in Toronto. Any major thoughts on this? I mean, I, I'm not familiar with the the contracts for team presidents around the league but six years seems a long time yeah it does a long old time doesn't it I, I get that he's been highly successful so far like you can't argue that the Maple Leafs would be anywhere near as good as they are without Brendan Shanahan but course, yeah six years is a that is a very very long time Leafs fans are happy as well I checked on Twitter yeah and oh. they're all behind it all for it you know great thing he's got this team going in the right direction he's made great decisions got great players playing you know we, we like our GM all that kind of thing so he's got the support there which it can turn on a dime as any sports team can but for the for the time being at least he's got the support of the fans oh yeah well and, and so he should like granted yeah you've had a bit of luck with we're getting the first overall pick to get Matthews and speed it along a bit and obviously having John Tavares decide to to join the team is is a boost as well, but he's done really well there. Even in just so much as hiring Kyle Dubas, even that in its in itself is a uh, enough to get him a six year extension. But yeah, interesting, very interesting. I think something else interesting: the Buffalo Sabers have their new head coach, the former economic speaker, Edmonton head coach, and Southampton owner, Ralph Kruger, is the new guy. <sighs> Glad, you, glad to have him back in the league. On, yeah, you said yeah, you that. said you wanted to you said you wanted to sort of have a little a talk about this. So the floor is yours. I, I just think that this has an opportunity. Obviously, Kruger's coached in the NHL before, and arguably he's a hockey guy before he's a football guy. But I hope this opens the door for more, you know, into sport sort of um, <laughs> hirings and stuff like. Don't, can't can't you see? Can't you see Harry dragging? The Coyotes to a playoff berth next year. <laughs> get old Harry Redknapp in there. Oh yeah, we'll get we'll get Galchenyuk up on the first line. Yeah, and then we'll you know, probably put in a couple of goals, and you know, we might be able to scrape the playoffs, get a little late seed. It's 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 bound to happen. Bound to happen. Big Sam dominating the AHL, and then getting a little bump up to uh, to I don't know, coach the. I don't know who's a who's a crap team. I can't even remember crap teams. It's been so long. But... I was gonna say I was gonna say Edmonton. He's got to save Edmonton yeah. from relegation because he's never been relegated. No. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, if we had relegation, Big Sam would be ideal. But yeah, he would. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting. It's good. It's it's good. I, I like to see it. And and he's a European coach. Is he? Gonna, he's going to be the only European coach, head coach at least, in the league at the moment, isn't he? 
I think so. I, I heard his name. We, we, we talk, I'm sure we talked about him last season when we were talking about the King, uh, um, earlier on this season, talking about the Kings. Because uh, he'd obviously, because Kruger was the guy who'd led Team Europe to the World Cup uh, runners up spot. His name had been kind of banded around a little bit here and there. Is it? Is this Jason Botterill kind of, is this his like swinging for the fences type? This is my one big shot. Let's go for it. Let's get this guy in. Because he could have gone with a safe choice. He could have gone with a safe choice. There's plenty of people being talked about as, okay, it's time for them to step up to be a head coach, like sort of assistant coaches right now who are looking at maybe getting a head coaching gig. It just seems like he's kind of, this might be his last swing, do you think, Jason Bottrell? I, I, th- I think this is a, a nice little um, halfway house sort of thing. It's a little bit safe where Kruger has been around the NHL before, like you say, he coached Team Europe. He is in, in, in a lot of ways a hockey guy, but... Yeah, I think you're right. He's definitely taken a risk. You could have just hired out, you know, DJ Smith out of Toronto or, you know, play Mark Crawford. Any any known quantity to be the next NHL GM. But I, th- I think, uh, head coach rather, but I think, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a shout there that this is, it's a bit of a swing for the fences and he's he's got to believe in Kruger if he's taking this sort of risk. Yeah, definitely. And he was unlucky in Edmonton um, because it was a the lockout season. He had one lockout season, didn't he? That was it, 48 games. Yeah, and he no. was fired by... See, do you know he got fired by Skype? <laughs> well, was that was that video chat or voice chat? I am. You can, can imagine if it wasn't even a video chat. They couldn't even video me. It was just on a voice chat. How disrespectful. Not annoyed with a voice chat. Just sent him a little, little instant message. <laughs> just a little I am. Pack your shit. Get out. Oh, come on. It's not blocked. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say about Harry Redknapp, I like the idea of him leaving the uh, Coyotes training facility with his win- with his window rolled down on transfer on trade deadline day. <laughs> Any news, Harry? <laughs> yeah, well, mate, we're looking at a global players. Yeah, I mean, we've moved Galchenyuk out. You know, we've got some players on contracts we don't really like. And, uh, yeah, we're looking at making some moves, maybe. You hey, know a lot about Drew Stafford in the next few weeks, mate. <laughs> You know Harry's first move when he gets in there, don't you? He's going to get Nico Cranchard playing on that right wing. (laughs) (laughs) Put him to Ray Defoe on the third line. (laughs) All his classics coming back. All his classic Harry players making an appearance. All the bloody, uh, all the Senrab FC players coming up. (laughs) For the Coyotes. Oh, Make it so I want, I want cheer. No offense to John Chaker and Rick Tuckett, but I want a bloody Chiarelli and Redknapp combination down in the oh, desert. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, that is generally stuff that dreams are made of for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quickly move on to something else before I come back to a little interesting stat. The worlds are going on as we speak. Team GB is there. I guess we can say that's something, which is nice. To say they're having a rough go of it is a bit of an understatement. Ben Bounds making 59 saves <laughs> against America in regulation as well. This isn't a 59 save game in like triple OT, no. This is 59 saves in regulation. He's made a million saves so far. It's it, it, Genuinely, genuinely, it's only because of Ben Bounds that GB are not getting slaughtered even more than they have been. Ben Bounds is the next uh, Chris's Goodlevskis, isn't he? Oh, yeah, dude, he's he's been playing absolutely amazing. We are, I guess we could say we're getting humped like a dog on heat with its favourite comfort blanket. It's been something else. And like I said in the smooth, like I said in the scratches, and I'm trying to not enjoy the participation trophy, but I am. No, it's just it's just good to see, good to good to be a part of it. Isn't it? You know, first time in 25 years, 
Sure, we might have a minus 22 goal difference. But they're just That's numbers, well. Yeah, they're just numbers. Just numbers. We're only, we're only a point behind the French anyway, so hopefully, hopefully, we can have a little... Uh, <laughs> if, we, if we finish above the French, then that'll be a success. Yeah, exactly. Do you think there's anything to Capo Caco pushing himself up to position number one? Or does Jack Hughes still go one? I think I think Hughes still goes one. To be okay. honest. It's a bit it's a bit Matthews line again, isn't it, really? Like yeah, Line's having an absolute stormer. But ultimately Hughes is a, is a natural centre as well, so it's oh, yeah. it's hard hard to not see people want to um want to take Hughes over overall. And and Hughes is a fantastic player, so is Kako, so whichever way it shakes out, both the Devils and the and the Rangers are gonna get incredible players. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Neither of them can lose now, can they? It's absolute guaranteed winners for both of them, which is nice to see. I think it's a good thing. It's going to be good to see two sort of guaranteed studs coming in at the same time. And Christ, you would think probably going to tear up the league. You'd, you'd definitely imagine so, wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. Good news on uh, Jack Hughes. He's now turned eighteen, which means he can start losing teeth and taking pucks to the face like a man. So that's good. Oh, has he has he started rocking a visor straight away? Yeah, he said. Yeah, he said. He said something like. It was good to feel the wind on my face or something like that. I was thinking, well, you're going to be feeling something hard and rubbery on your face any day now. So enjoy it while you can, my friend, before you start to get really, really ugly. If yeah, your, your last days of beauty, Jack. So come <laughs> yeah. up. You'll soon be scaring kids with that face. Don't worry. I was thinking about Team Finland after they obviously beat Canada 3-1 in the first game. I mean, Kapo Kaku just scoring a beautiful, beautiful breakaway. And Ryla chips out ahead. And a lead pass. In alone, Kako backhand shot scores! Kako, Kako on the break! And the 18-year-old announces his arrival at the World Championship. Oh, mate. Team Finland, dude. They're breeding something in the water over there. It's, they're, they're lacking any NHL stars as well, aren't they? Yeah, there was not one, not one NHL starter in that team that beat Team Canada. No way. How mad is that? I'd imagine they they're picking up a few people now, aren't they? Surely, they probably are. But I mean, but yeah, that doesn't matter. I mean, you beat Team Canada, you would think that your team would have to be laden as theirs as with stars, but it wasn't. No, absolutely not. That's crazy. They've got a couple of good people in there, like that that Oliver Kasky. I don't think he's signed. Has he signed? I think he signed with the Red Wings, maybe. But he's he's going to be um he's going to be over in the NHL sooner rather than later. He's he's a really he had a really good year in. In the Liga. I think he was the highest scoring D-man in the Liga. So okay. he's only 20, 23 or something like that. So yeah, he's going to be probably not you know, not a star in the NHL, but he'll be a good sort of second pair of defenseman at some point. You're, you're absolutely right. It's effectively like you know, one of the teams from the Olympics last year coming in and uh, and turning over a, a naturally stacked Canada team. So yeah, big up to the Finns. I wonder if there was a concerted effort to do something different over there with their training or their coaching or whatever it is, because... Oh, there was a there was a staff the Olympics and I can't remember what it was, but it was something like the past sort of four or five major championships. They've either medaled or won gold. And I've just yeah, I just wonder because all such a, as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and I just wonder what it is because that clearly they've you know that's it's going to be a sport they can just play naturally. There's you know there's fucking ice everywhere, but for a country that small to produce this much talent and to gel this well in a national team is it's pretty unheard of, right? Well, I mean, obviously you've got to have the natural talent there within the population, 
funnily enough, not that well versed in <laughs> Finland's sort of political spending and stuff like that. But if you if you invest the right money in the right areas, yeah, you are gonna get you're gonna have good results. Yeah, you you have to have a combination of the two. But hell, you you just think of the the players that Finland has produced recently. You know, Mira Heiskanen, Patrick Laine, now Capo Kako, uh, Sebastian Aho. Alexander Barkov, they're they're really turning the corner with fantastic young players. Team Finland, look out everybody, because the Europeans are on the way. They're, they are most certainly on the way. Anything else in the world you want to mention? No, not really. Not really, to be honest. Yeah, same kind of thing as a regular season, isn't it? We're kind of, we got over the excitement of the first couple of days, now we're into that kind of mid-season lull. And then in a few days we'll pick up again for like the knockouts. Right, like I, the world's are good and that, but I, I try not to put too much stock in like individual performances of established players. Like it's a good place to see, you know, like young players like like Kako and Hughes and and you know maybe some European free agents who are on their way over or like you know, Kirill Kaprizov, you know, yeah. the wild draft pick, draft pick. Yeah, there are plenty of plenty of players who are already in the NHL, have an absolute tear up at the worlds, and then never hear anything from them again sort of thing they go back to being their 25 30 point player yeah good point so, no it's good though good that it's on and big up GP let's uh, let's get Ben Bounds that ECHL contract he's so dying for yeah we need Liam Kirk to put in a word for him somehow with some with some teams <laughs> see, see if we can get him as a how old is Bounds like 25 like a super 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 overager in the draft <laughs> yeah Just like, do the opposite of three boys in a trench coat for Ben Bounds <laughs> Having more cons at the stage on his knees. Somebody who could be drafted this year, I don't know if you saw this one, but there was a game in Russia this week where uh, a Mr. V. Putin scored eight goals in a single game. Eight goals in a game? Yeah. That's, no matter what the level is, that sounds very impressive. Absolutely. Ins- I mean, just, you know, the D men just just couldn't get near him. The goalie just was just dazzled by his deeks and his, his silky hands. So I don't know if we're going to see this Putin fellow in the NHL anytime soon, or maybe only NHL anytime soon, which might be a more appropriate thing to say. It was unfortunate because after the, the game had finished, they sort of have him do a lap of honour, and then he fell on his face on some carpet that had been put out there. So, I mean, word on the street is obviously the man who put this carpet down is already dead, and his family's already been burned. Totally worth it, though. Absolutely, absolutely. Give for the century. <laughs> with, with that, with that goal that's. Doing the rounds, I absolutely love it. I just love it. Like so, so it's proper zoomed in on Putin. Putin skating in. Suddenly, that D man number fifty five just comes in and out of <laughs> shot really quickly. <laughs> and mate, the work by that goalie to not make that save is just beautiful. Like, how do you fight your instincts that well to just lift your knee at the last second and expose your five hole? Like, bravo, it's, bravo, yeah, young man. It's one of those things where it's it's actually harder to pretend to be not good than it is to just be good. I know people who I know people who people who can play the piano say it's harder to be it's harder to pretend to be bad at playing the piano than it is to just be good at it because you, you you're fighting your natural instincts all the time. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. For that goalie to do, have you seen that South Park episode where they play baseball all summer and they hate it? It's the um, one where um, oh, it's the one where thingy's that that Randy's going. This is America. Yeah, this is America. I thought this is America, and like he takes his pants down all the time and stuff. 
and the South Park boys are playing another team who practiced to be bad because they hate playing baseball over the summer. I think this goalie was doing that. I think he just spends all year practicing to be good enough to be good on anyone else, but bad enough to be bad for Putin. It's he has got mad skills that goalie. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird duality, isn't it? I, I wonder what the score is with those Putin games. Like, do you that have game to finished fourteen seven? That game finished fourteen seven. But like with the with the players on the other team, like oh, how? Because you, you probably, you probably have to. You have to like try a certain level, I'd imagine, because it's it's like you know if you if you're playing a game against a kid and like you're obviously letting them win and they get yeah. really wound up, so oh you're not even trying, but then if you beat them they're like oh, I wanted to win, so it's what what's the score of Putin? Does he does he throw a paddy? Does he have you murdered if you don't try hard enough? Like, You've got if to check if him. If he scored nine enough. goals, yeah. <laughs> if he scored nine goals, he'd be like no, if you were trying hard enough, you're all getting gulagged. I imagine before the game in the opposing dressing room that the opposing head coach just says something like, Okay, so we are playing Putin team. Those of you with children, you know what to do. Try hard, eh, but not too hard. Yes, boss, we understand. Or it's just Putin comes on and says, Hello, gentlemen. Here is all your families in block room with no windows. Play nice now. (laughs) Yes, boss, okay. (laughs) It was amazing that even in the Russian media, though, they had to report he scored 10 goals and not 8. So they... Oh, Dad, that's the thing. I'd heard it was ten. So yes, they reported that in the Russian media apparently, but it was actually eight. <laughs> so they they even lied. <laughs> that's incredible. Have you seen all like the Putin propaganda against Obama from back in the day, where they're both playing hockey? No, it's like like those propaganda cartoons that you get. Oh yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, it's like it's Putin deking out Obama. But I think Obama's <laughs> a little bit more. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Okay. Uh, what's the word? Yeah, it's, it's a very, very racist depiction of, uh, yes. of number 44. Yeah, I just, I just love how you know, it's, not, <laughs> it's not manly unless it's on the ice for Putin. Yeah. The thing was as well is that people in Russia had been questioning his kind of ability because in, these past, in the last three games, he'd scored eight goals, seven goals and five goals. And people were saying, oh, is he losing his touch? <laughs> so he had to blast in another eight and then report ten in the media to make himself look cool again. <laughs> I'm really I'm really looking forward to when he takes over the world and plonks himself on the lightning in between um <laughs> in between lightning and uh, in between Kucherov and Stamkos. Tampa Bay Lightning has extra room in salary cap. They have extra hundred million dollars. They sign new centre. It is me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and uh, we traded seven round pick for Alex Ovechkin. Salary <laughs> retained. Yeah. Oh, God. What a guy. Okie dokie. Interesting stat this week that, that was mentioned in a few places. I think it was uh, Pierre Lebrun mentioned it initially. Or somebody mentioned it to him and he talked about it. But of the final four teams in the playoffs, not a single player on those teams makes more than $8 million a season. I don't think it means anything. I think that's just how it's gone this year. But I think it does bring up maybe two different sides. I think one side is a GM saying to a player, well, look at what Team X did. They've had no players making more than $8 million a year and they've made it to the conference finals. So maybe you should think about taking that discount. I think it's, it's simple maths, really. If you've got no players making more than $8 million then you've got more space for more $8 million players. And for the most part, $8 million players in the AHL are still very good. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it, it makes sense. But I think you're right, there's no, like... Even if that was absolutely the case, which yeah, really it 
it is if, if every player in the team took five million or less, you'd be able to fit in more better players if they followed that structure. But in what crazy world are you going to be able to turn to, yeah, say Sebastian Aho uh, in the summer and say, wow, yeah, you can only have seven and a half million dollars because nobody in the playoffs made more than eight eight million. So like, as much as players want to win, they don't want to win that much. Yeah, that's true, and. It- like we say, it is a false reading because Carlson's going to get signed this year. Like you say, Aho's going to get signed this year. The Bruins' big three is some kind of witchcraft because Bergeron, Marshall, and Pasternak can make less than twenty million combined. That's just—I don't even get why how they managed to do that. But so it's, so it's kind of, it is kind of a false reading anyway. I just wonder if GMs are going to try it. You know, we know they oh, love yeah. to, we know they love to save money. <laughs> well, where they can. They love yeah. to save money to spend very poorly in other areas. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. I've got I've got to save my money for that uh, that number five defenceman I want to get in free agency for four and a half million this season. <laughs> Shout out to John Moore. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack Johnson. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that's where you were going to go with that then. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't going to, because John Moore only makes like 2.2, didn't he? Uh, 2.7, I think he makes. That's still, I mean... Too much, and the term is very silly, but it's not as egregious as Jack Johnson's, so that's fine. Or Carl Arsner. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, then. Last thing this week, as always, because it's the final season. Quick Game of Thrones talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this week was very divisive. I only, I, I will make the, I will only talk about the two things I genuinely hated this week, and then I'll let you throw your opinion out there. Danny's dragon can now defeat a thousand scorpions by itself which was very weird, after they got ambushed by maybe seven scorpions the week before. She can now just dodge these arrows coming at her at 100 miles an hour from many different directions, and that was seemed very easy. And Euron Greyjoy is the worst character behind Ramsay Bolton. Both absolutely pointless as shit. I will bet a million, a million pounds that the second Jamie was on that beach and Euron Greyjoy washed upon the shore, everyone went, oh, for fuck's sake, like that. I can't imagine for a single second anybody liked that because I did. I I hated that bit, but they were the only, they were the only two things I hated. You were spot on with your own Greyjoy. I get, I get that there there may be some sort of there's a chance that like a rivalry between him and Jamie for the, for the affections of Cersei. Yeah. But I don't feel it was really established enough for for on to just suddenly be like, right, I'm gonna kill you, Jamie Lannister, and I'm yeah. shank you in the side with like. With the dragons and the scorpions and stuff, the, the key word they used was ambushed. Like they were ambushed before, and then she had preparation for it. I'm not a big fan of it, but I can I can get my head around it. One of many things that knocked me right off. Like I'm so glad that yeah, you know, I can completely get behind Daenerys going mad. That was that makes sense to me. I'm I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, me too. Why why did the Northmen suddenly? turn into thoroughly evil members of the SS. I just I just like, got that is it's because because it's war and they're there to raid that place. Innocent people or not. Just because John's a nice guy doesn't mean his whole army is nice. There's gonna be people yeah. in the army that are complete twats and are gonna happily kill women and children and are gonna try and rape women in the back alleys and stuff if they get the chance. Happens in war all the time. You've only got to look at real life wars to see that. That the atrocities that occurred in like World War Two, Vietnam, Korea, all that kind of thing. It, Af- not just Afghanistan, from, Iraq. Yeah, exactly. Not not just from 
the 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 people that are deemed the bad people, but the team that you know the 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 side that's meant to be the good side also did you know horrific things. So I, I didn't mind that either. I, I completely got that. No, I'll, I'll I'll give you that on that level. Um, I thought I thought it was pretty good. I am not dying was a bit silly to be honest. If if you want to survive, fine, but don't drop like four buildings on her, please. For the love it was of a God. bit yeah that was a that was a bit plot armory but I can get past that she's a main character and that happens all the time with these kinds of shows I don't I don't mind that too much yeah I, I get plot armor but like it, when when she was seemingly engulfed by dragon fire and yeah even even if you say well, it didn't actually get her it was close enough that it had been established earlier in the episode that that would have mashed her right up anyway. Yeah, know, she like, showed people, didn't it, trying to hide along corridors and they were still getting caught and she just ducked yeah, around the exactly. corner. And she's like, oh, look, I'm fine behind this bloody obsidian house. Like, <laughs> I, d- I don't mind her not dying and surviving the battle, but don't don't try and mug me off by putting her in such ridiculous situations to survive sort of thing. Yeah. But no, apart from that, it was, it, I thought it was good. Grey Worm's gone mad. I'm trying to remember, there were things that I was slightly annoyed by when I was watching it, but they haven't stuck with me for the couple of days afterwards, so it can't be too bad, really. Cersei's death, were you happy with that? Yeah, it was alright, really. I was a bit annoyed that Jamie went from being shanked in both sides of his self, seemingly with two punctured lungs, basically dead, to sort of fine walking around. That's like, it's, it's just it's just badly done now. Like, you know, the the story itself isn't bad. It just feels like the execution for a lot of the plot points is a bit shit. No, I agree. I'm not gonna sit here and say it's really good and defend it because it, because it's. I think the like we said, the problem is it's just a weight of expectation. There was no way it was ever going to deliver what people thought, and I think people have unfortunately we've done on here when we've talked about we've had our own ideas about how they can go how they could do things and we and unfortunately ideas i've heard from people have been better than what they've actually done i mean i mean people just lose it people losing their shit over danny going crazy just insane you know all she's cared about the entire time is the throne and, Everyone... and to be honest, i think that's a bit of a stupid take if you think that like danny shouldn't have gone mad like that's yeah. been absolutely forecast for at least the majority of this season and last if not ever since the beginning, really. There was a really good tweet thread that I'm just trying to find now, sort of explaining... Here it is. Not explaining, but giving someone's opinion of why this series and last series have felt so so bad, for want of a better term. There's a a guy called Daniel Silvermint, at D Silvermint on Twitter, and he just goes through sort of the difference between George R.R. Martin's attitudes towards um, storytelling and his ability to tell a story in a certain way versus um was it db weinhoff and david weiss yeah their their attitudes to storytelling and the situation that they've put themselves into in regards to storytelling for the last couple of series and it's, it's, it's just really interesting like, it doesn't give you any any answers or make anything better but it's just an interesting viewpoint on um on the different the different styles and how it's led us to where we are oh, <laughs> did we talk about why john couldn't pet his dog goodbye like why he oh, couldn't we did, do it? We, we, oh yeah, what because because it wasn't in the budget. Yeah, they ran out of money on. They spent all the money on dragons and CGI for the dragons, so they couldn't afford to spend any on John Pet and his dog. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I think that's fabulous. Yeah, fair that's, enough. That's wise investment of money of yours, mate. Yeah. So Jamie Lannister, yeah, you know, gets gets caught because he's got his hand out, waving it about. 
sneaks back into King's Landing. As soon as he's into King's Landing, oh, better take the glove off my gold hand. Like, what are you doing, son? <laughs> yeah, why? I don't get why he did that. It's just, oh, better, better let the camera know that it's me, Jamie Lannister, before I take my hood off. Bloody idiots. Were you going to say predictions for the last episode? Yeah, predictions. What happens in the end, then? Danny. Danny rules the world. Ah, so she ends up winning. Yeah, I think so, because... No, I don't think so. I don't think anything. I think John's going to win, but I think it could could feasibly be Danny ruling, but at the cost of everything, and it will sort of loop, loop back nicely to the first series. I feel Robert Robert is against killing her, isn't he? He's not for killing her. No, he's for uh, killing her, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's whichever for way it is. There's a there's a moral debate of oh, should we kill this baby? Oh, uh, you know, that's a thousand miles away, and it, it ends up in a no. When really it should have been a yes. Yeah, it'd be a nice little lesser of two evils kind of thing, wouldn't it? The road to hell is paved with good intentions sort of thing. Yeah. I'm of the opinion that Arya is going to try and kill Danny. Yeah. Something happens Something happens to Arya. She gets captured. Danny goes to kill Arya with the dragon. Bran takes over the dragon. And then John kills Danny because he has to, because she's gone mad, basically. I, th- I think she most certainly has gone mad. Yeah. And then and then John will then melt down the throne and get rid of it, essentially. So there's no throne. Whoever oh, rules no. whoever rules their la- whoever rules their land just rules their land and that's it. There's no seven kingdoms. You just look after your bit and that's it. Forget it. Oh if Oh my god, if John melts down the Iron Throne, I'm gonna get a stomach ulcer. <laughs> So that's not... God, you really hate that idea, don't you? Oh, mate. I'm... It's just so corny. Because it's such a cop-out. It's such a... The Seven Kingdoms, of course, there's nothing but trouble. <laughs> I say every man should be fighting for himself. There you go. <laughs> Fucking... Oh, mate. It's, I kind it's of agree. Be... But, then, like... but then part of me thinks you're right that Danny does win because it's Game of Thrones and nothing nice ever happens. So. Is it Game of Thrones anymore, though? That's the that's question. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'll, I'll give you cold take of the week, Dan. It's going to be shit, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Here's the freezing cold take of the week, is it? Whatever happens, everyone's going to complain. Oh, yeah. In, in There's going to be an aspect of it that, uh, you know, everyone's going to hate at least one aspect of the last episode. It's going to be great. Agreed. Okie dokie. One week left. There we go, folks. Thank you for listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Dan Straight Edge. Will you are at W E V E V E R E T T at two bits one puck number two number one. Cheers, folks. Will any last words? Um. Uh. No. See you later, everyone. Bye. Peace.